Madden Luke's Sci-Fi Sanctuary. The year is 3013. The galaxy is scintillating in the mellow light. Two galactic pilgrims seek out vistas in the samurai future to bring forth the unity of the cosmic shaman. Opening the door of the pantheon of mystics, the evil sorcerer wizard powers the engine of science, seeking to forever alter the sacred balance, traveling on effervescent balls of summer fire. This week, all you need is kill. In the year 2014, it's gonna stay 2014 until you get it right. Why is it 2021? We didn't get it right the first time, I'm pretty sure. I feel like we have just been repeating 2014 since it started. We all died in 2012. This is all a simulation. Okay. Yeah. But like, all this shit didn't start in 2014. Yeah, yeah. 2014 okay. was when all the Gamergate stuff started online, and that became the alt-right, and that became Trump. Oh, yeah. See, I wasn't enough of a gamer to even notice, but... Uh, yeah, it was pretty great. 2014 had some movies, too. What's one of those movies? What the best? Which name should we go with? Because... <laughs> I was just going to argue with you when you said it, now, but now that's ruined. Because, yeah, it was released... In theaters, Edge of Tomorrow, with the tagline, Lived I Repeat. It was then released on DVD as Edge of Tomorrow, colon, Lived I Repeat. It's based on a book called All You Need Is Kill, and in Japan, the film was released as All You Need Is Kill. No, my Blu-ray says All You Need Is Kill on it. The movie poster I went to a theater in Japan said All You Need Is Kill, the same with the movie. It's a much better name. It is a good name. Why would you want to change Thoroughly. it? Thoroughly. The director thought it was too killy, I guess, but because uh, he'd added humor to the film or whatever. But I mean, I'm currently reading the book, and it's got way more humor than the film. <laughs> okay, well, someone wrote a dark screenplay in there. But uh, anyway, this is Matt. This is Luke. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Sanctuary. Welcome so, to the Sci-Fi Sanctuary. Sanctuary, Sanctuary. Um, you know, my early movie talk was uh, drive around with uh, today's guest, uh, Days to Confuse style, a couple of dorks. Uh, talking way too much about movies in the car. So hello, Jonathan Liang. Hello. Or, or we could introduce you. When was that time we played, uh, we, we used to play in bands, right? So uh, we, I had yeah. you introduced as a the Liang uh, as a joke and it actually happened. That was fun. <laughs> and, and, the. The, and the bass player got introduced as Devil King of Children, <laughs> which is Kindergarten Cops, a Hong Kong transliterated title. Okay. Remember, yeah. And I don't remember what my bullshit introduction was, weirdly enough. Do you happen to remember that? You know what I'm talking about? No. Playing no, downtown Athens, Georgia, behind um, behind the, the guy from India, who I, I oh. gave him joke introductions, and then he used them, because I guess he... Oh, I, what was his yeah, name? Aban. Uh, yeah, that <laughs> was just an interesting experience yeah i'd given him joke intros and, or, and, and made jokes and then he like didn't get the joke or something and, and used them and i should remember what he what he said for me too but i unfortunately forgot i remember what he said for the other guys but uh well yeah. so, sorry man it was it was a very huh okay yeah well, I, def- I definitely remember you know um or, uh, Devin, the bass player's face when he's being introduced as Devil King of Children in front of like a couple hundred people. <laughs> that was great. Oh my god! But yeah, do you even 
Sorry, one more time. I was going to say, do you even hear from Devin? Um, I, I've heard it from him, like, Facebook-wise. So, you know, I'll, maybe oh, I'll drag okay. him in here at some point. That, that's why, you know, this is a good way to actually talk to people because I'm, I'm not one for actually Skyping folks, really. But uh, we didn't really yeah, talk sure. about this movie in the car, of course, because it came out in 2014, and I haven't bothered to come into the state since 2010. So, yeah, me, you know, yeah. I won't I mean, hold it against you. Yeah, this is when I was, I, I had a, this, well, Luke has a movie theater across the street, so I should justify the term um, close to me. It's a little farther than that, but I was just regularly hitting eh, probably two movies a month and, you know, a big sci-fi blockbuster with Tom Cruise shows up to you. I enjoyed it enough to get the Blu-ray, and I think this is the first time I watched it since like 2015, maybe. I guess I always kind of liked it, but it never really entered my subconscious too deeply. Hmm. Yeah. I don't think I caught this one in the theater. I think as soon as it came to Netflix, I watched it. So I guess that would have been like 2016 or something. And I, I liked it enough, but I didn't, I didn't love it. Mm. And then I watched it again last night. And I think I figured out what it is about this film. Are you going to reveal it now or later? I guess I'll, I'll nah. watch it now. I love <laughs> everything about it, except all of the design, which is boring as fuck. Okay. <laughs> we'll get deeper into that. Um, I, I read a thing or two, which might have something to do with that where they had a concept that maybe just didn't work right and uh jonathan you were traveling in your basement for dvds and stumbled on this one uh you said groundhog's day but you messaged me like on february 2nd I'm like wow a month ago yes but may maybe next year <laughs> <laughs> you can't release your groundhog's day podcast like a month after groundhog's day it just doesn't work that way but uh oh okay well about, then, then then can i be pinned in for that one <laughs> Yeah, sure. Um, any, although that's almost like bringing you in for the same film in a way, but sure. Let's just bring him that, back for Groundhog's Day every year from now on. <laughs> <laughs> we just keep redoing it. That works. <laughs> that's the definition. Yeah. One day I'll get it right, and then we'll get we'll move on <laughs> <laughs> to all you do is kill again. <laughs> so, uh, did you catch this one in the theater? No, I, I didn't actually. I uh, I watched it. It was it was one of the you know downloading oh it's a Tom Cruise flick okay I'll watch it but I actually enjoyed it I'm not gonna lie and it's like oh this is Groundhog's Day but in a different twist and so I enjoyed it more blood than Groundhog's Day except for the director yeah, oh. of course directors could have Groundhog's Day that's a different story <laughs> yeah no no it's a Criterion I'm edition joking right now <laughs> there's no director's cut okay because I know the film does get kind of macabre in the middle there but. Oh yeah, good point. We can have like Bill splatting on the yeah on the ground. Yeah. Also, don't forget the toaster scene in the in the in the bathtub. Oh yeah, yeah. We we did that a few weeks ago in my educational film podcast with powerful stuff, where you just keep seeing kids getting electrocuted over and over. It's a film they made me watch in physics class when I was a kid. <laughs> oh, okay. I just. I'm you know, hey, it's, it's, your, it's a different culture over there, okay? <laughs> they frown upon that over here. I mean, I don't know. He asked Matt about it. Do they? <laughs> From some of the stuff Matt showed me that he watched, I don't know if they do. <laughs> well, back then, Matt hasn't been back since, what, 2010? Blood, white, blue. Know. That's America. Well, <laughs> no, America, sir. America. Where's your AR-15, sir? <laughs> you could get like an airsoft version of that in Japan. You can, you can have uh, Optimus Prime's little gun over there if you want to wave a gun around. Oh, okay. Oh. 
You really have all of those toys? I've got a couple here. Most of them are still in the UK. <laughs> I only had Jetfire. Ah, he's okay, but that's a, that's that's a different one. It's the one from Bumblebee. Is it okay? okay. I, I thought it was a classic one. Okay, I I thought, classic yeah, one no, the, the classic one. The headlamps had the fists. You put the fists yeah, in the yeah, headlamp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, um, so I don't think it's an AR-15. It's a laser, probably. No, it's upside down as well. <laughs> you know what? That, look, that, that looks like something from Star Wars. Yeah, something a stormtrooper would carry. Transformers. <laughs> yeah. But um, today is all you need is kill. We're killing it. Yes. So you want yes, to tell sorry. us that story, man? Yeah, I can do that. You can go on tangents. It's fine. Hey, man, you got a coffin face I've never seen you before. Hey, man, you left your mark inside before I walked in the door. William Cage is an army propaganda merchant with a silver tongue and a bad attitude. After saying the wrong things to the wrong general, he gets sent to the front line. Dressed in a jacket mech suit, he flies off to Normandy to battle the Mimics, strange alien foes. In a harrowing battle, he finds himself drenched in the blood of an alpha and dead. He wakes up at the start of the previous day. Caught in a time loop, Cage learns to fight the Mimics, eventually teaming up with Rita Vrataski, the full metal bitch, the Angel of Verdun. Through many versions of the same day, Cage fools for her, kills the aliens, and saves the day. So, getting into actors, do we start with Tom Cruise, or do we would we start with the, the uh, number three or four on the call sheet? The, the only really important one. This is our second Tom Cruise? The what? This is our second Tom Cruise, I think. Oh, yeah, we did Minority Report. So. Yeah. This is Which I heard Cruise. that one. That was a good one. This is Tom Cruise at his best, because Tom Cruise is best when he plays someone you're not meant to like. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because he's got a punchable face. So... <laughs> When he's playing this guy, you start the film like, oh, this guy's a bit of a dick. And then he, you slowly come around to him. That's right. the best kind of Tom Cruise. Yeah, yeah. Even the... Top Gun, right? Maverick's kind of a douche. But over the course of the film, you learn like, ah, I guess he's got a heart of gold. Did they actually release that newer one or did it get uh, Not caught up? In no. The... It got caught up no. in all the wilds. Okay. I mean, it's just yeah. him in a cockpit. So I assume they can film it. Socially <laughs> the entire movie but... will be him in a cockpit. <laughs> but but the, that movie, um, if you ever pay attention to some of his action flicks, it, the two things are mandatory, and I actually put it in my notes. He has to ride a motorcycle, and he has to fly something. Mm -hmm. it's, it's almost like it's contractually obligated. Well, it, I think it literally is the case that he makes these films around whatever stunt he wants to do this time. Like, they are Completely. literally making this Top Gun because Tom Cruise learned to fly fighter jets. He's got to run a lot. There's got to be lots of running. Yeah. Well, th but, that, but that's, that's a foregone conclusion when it comes to Tom Cruise. Come on. Yeah, but it's like with Tom Hanks. When it's Tom Hanks, he, he's got to pee. <laughs> Woody Harrison's got to dance. Yeah. And uh, Brad Pitt's sure. got to be eating something. Schwarzenegger has to have a feat of strength. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, you guys. Everybody's got their signature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Tom Cruise running, and yeah, the insane stunts which he likes to do. But I mean, I do like yeah. seeing his insane stunts, so that's not a complaint on my part. So is this film sort of like a, um, you know, like a display of the power of Scientology or what? No, this film <laughs> is a way to set him up so that when he gets too old to actually run, he can do it with robot legs. Oh, right. Although I heard those suits were like, they had like foam ones and metal ones and the metal ones are like 80 pounds. They like hang the actors from chains between takes apparently. <laughs> so they didn't have to carry the weight of the suit. <laughs> Wow. They're not actual mechs. <laughs> like the Hellraiser change, just rip into your flesh, that kind. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that movie. <laughs> but um, yeah, he's good in this. Um, I, I think it's one of, yeah, one of his better sci-fi roles. I mean, Minority Report, he's just kind of like base level unlikable the whole time. I Wait, because then we watched Minority Report, we were like, oh, the other guy's actually the good guy in this. Right, Colin, yeah, exactly. Colin Farrell was the one who was actually right in almost every case in that <laughs> film. <laughs> War of the Worlds, I guess, I, is that's, okay, that's... But again, he's just like a shit dad. Yeah, that's an alien invasion, too. Well, this is also, yeah, this isn't is... it? So, yeah. <laughs> hmm. Okay, I need to rewatch Minority Report and need to rewatch. Oh, watch that one. I hadn't seen that one. But your, 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 um, your assumption, oh, your, your description of it, it actually makes sense. He comes, like you said, he starts us as a shit bag and, oh, he, he builds himself up to be some, someone of a, someone of character. Hmm. That's, that was, you're right. And that, once again, that kind of goes into Groundhog's Day. He's, he's the weatherman trying to get out of there and hit the big time. And then he learns, oh, he made himself into something better. Yeah, a big, of course, you have what, like 3,000 years of time to do that or something? So yeah, Day, yeah. I think I, mean, I think the same thing. Like yeah, you know, I, it's it's. Do they? Do you actually have a? Did they actually say that? Because to me, I can tell the time is going by, especially like this the scene in the helicopter where she says, "How long have you known this?" Or you know, uh, "How do you know this?" Or "How many times have we been here?" And so you knew that this has been going on. Just just even the starting sequence where he has to figure out where everybody is and just uh, shoots the mechs. I just thought, you know, that's not just one time or two times. Hmm. That's a lot of times before you even get to that point. Yeah, I was going to give him about 3,000 years as well. Did the book, like, kind of... Yeah, I was going to say, because in the book, which I'm actually not quite finished reading this morning, um, it's more explicit, and it's only about 200 times through the loop. That's it? Oh, wow, he has a really good memory then. But they also, he does way less of all this other stuff. It's just the battle, really. Okay, in this movie version, I think we can give him those 3,000 years. Then, cause he's... Yeah, because he does do the weird stuff of figuring out how to break in here and sneak there. and There's a bit less of that in the book. Yeah. One big difference between this and Groundhog's Day, though, is um, Groundhog's Day has no actual goal. I mean, it kind of does. It's like a Zen thing, but uh, and it doesn't really have a cause. I think they considered putting a cause in that movie and just kind of skipped it, which was a good decision. Where this one has a a clear cause and a clear way to make it end. Oh mm. well, yeah, this one was it clear to be more hard sci-fi than Groundhog's Day. I think. Well, they made it pretty clear what after when he first talks to um the the not the bitch of Verdun. That's not Full Metal Bitch. There we go. Yeah. When he first talks yeah. to her, she makes it clear it's the blood thing. Right. So he learns it. Well, he doesn't know it from the start, but he learns it pretty early on. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the, the, the more clarity was provided by the doctor, Dr. Kramer character. Right. When they went. Um, but I still didn't understand the whole concept. Of, okay. Groundhog's Day, you wake up 
that day ends and you just wake up and it's that same day. Here, he wakes up on uh, on the ground after he's been uh, stun gunned or, you know, the, the electric shock gun. So that's his point of reoccurrence. Mm. And, I, you know, what defines where it occurs? Because well, in the... I, I'd actually always read it that assumed he's, wait, he's recurring while he's still asleep. And that's just the point he wakes up. But then the end of the movie, he's awake. Uh, so I'm just going to throw out my theories. It's just a straight up 24 hour thing. Yeah, because at the end of the movie, he wakes up asleep at a different time. Right. But because they he died were, earlier. Right. Because they completed their mission like in Paris, like probably at least six hours before that battle. So, yeah, I assume it's just an X amount of time earlier. But it's just because he's asleep, he always becomes conscious at the point he woke up. Oh, he's asleep on the helicopter, is he? Yeah, I think he's, he's right. dozing and he wakes up. And okay. the previous time, he's so, asleep on those bags and he wakes up. Okay, so the battle occurred during the day. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. The next day. Okay. He, he the next day, correct. During the day, and he gets splattered with the with the with the alien blood. But when they go into Versailles, it was dark. So it's the night before the battle. Was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's the whole point. There. They say we need to get there before the battle starts and kill the. Alpha. Yeah. So the way I see it, two okay. o'clock, two o'clock Sunday, he arrives in London, three o'clock, he goes to the London Hooters. Four o'clock is, four o'clock is a meeting with the general. I'm going to stop you right there. The Hooters in the UK are shit. Oh, okay. Where should he go? <laughs> I mean, we just have actual, like, nude bars. <laughs> the law's less strict than it is in America. It's got on them. Okay, three o'clock. Well, you have to stay too, but I, oh, uh, who, who just told me this? That um, apparently it's like the strip clubs in Atlanta that have the best chicken wings. Uh, don't look at me. <laughs> no, don't look at me either. I just heard someone say it like if you want, like apparently if you look at a list of like the best chicken wings in Atlanta, you know, this is deep south, so chicken wings are a big thing. Apparently like seven of the top ten are like strip clubs. So I did hear on How I Bet Your Mother that the Buffett strip club is always surprisingly good. How <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming back, you know? <laughs> so anyway, he goes to, he goes to a fucking fantastic um Chicken wing titty club at three o'clock, meets the general at four, gets tased at four thirty, wakes up maybe, you know, five thirty in the uh staging area and blah blah blah. Battles next day at uh ten AM. They they sleep okay. in a little late. <laughs> For a battle. Okay. So the the battle in Versailles, or actually it's the Louvre, the Louvre at the end would be like midnight of the previous day. Mm. I guess. But, okay, but so he he meets the general. He gets the he gets the stabby thingy, and uh, he gets blood, and then they escape. So that's still the same day. Yeah. Then and then they have to that night they convince the the the, the compadres. Okay. They have to All right, quick. So, yeah, which is say, surprising. Well, I yeah. think healthcare in the UK is really good. <laughs> is it it's free <laughs> okay it's free is one thing I'll tell you the, everything my job is good uh, uh, yeah I guess... like chicken wings at a titty bar <laughs> that's why okay. that's so high on the list is because people think they're good because they're free there we go okay you have to, you have to pay the yeah, you gotta... I mean you're paying a premium elsewhere but <laughs> um, hey not, you always got to pay this number. Yeah. Well, it's okay. She, she's just badass, so it's not a horrible segue to move on to Emily Blunt then. Oh, yeah. She's great in this, to be honest. Um, I did. Yeah, read, I agree. And this is 
what Pre-Force Awakens and sort of this being the oh, biggest feminist uh, summer movie for quite a while is uh, some of the reviews were throwing that out at the time. Did she, they do a very good job of making her seem actually badass, not just like a supermodel who we're supposed to believe is kicking ass. Yeah, through 75% of the movie, she's dragging Tom Cruise through stuff. Yeah, and also she's believably ripped. Yes. <laughs> like yeah, she looks like she's my ass. <laughs> well, probably could. But, but the thing is, they didn't make her like a, a sexy model or a sexy badass person. She, you know, it, it, it was very, she played the role very well and very yeah. believable. No, she was, you know, like going Klingon warrior on everyone, so. And that's an effective term. And uh, also very, very matter of fact, like she murdered him constantly and it was just part of the job. <laughs> Murdering you is just part of my job. Well, because she'd been Boring. through the same thing, right? So I guess you do just get detached. No, in I just that like, Murray Groundhog Day kind of way, she... Yeah. Now that she's aware of the loop, she is pretty detached from any of this mattering. No, of course, I'm just taking it out of context. Murdering mm. you is my joke. No, no, and, but, and, you, <laughs> and you're absolutely right. She, but both of it is funny. But mm. if you, as I was watching, I was actually rewatching bits and pieces of it. She, uh, you know, she's absolutely fine with popping him because she knows that, that we'll get right back to a loop where 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 you are. And so when when he lost it, he said, "No, oh, I lost it. I lost it. No, 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 no." You know, like he had to like really try and convince her, and he did an effective job of acting that scene out, where she all because she, she was about to stab him, mm. if I remember correctly, and he had to convince her, no, that's a bad idea right now. That briefly, I was like, before the scene where Tom Cruise lost it, when she's talking about losing it, I was like, huh, is that a plot hole? Because how would she know she'd lost it if she didn't die? But then when Tom Cruise loses it, he's just like, you can feel that you've lost it. Yeah, yeah. And we can see it like... Oh, yeah, you remember that line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I guess that's how they're getting around it. That's where a throwaway line becomes effective, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Just throw it in there. Anytime we come up with like a stupid plot hole, I'm like, you could just put in one line Mm. and it would stop nerds like me caring. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, to to that point, though, you're right, because she lost it, but then she kept dying also. But she kept coming back. But yeah, she was coming back because he was looping, but... Because I guess he's looping all of reality. Does that mean the head alien, um, which his name I forgot, it's not the Omega. Omega. The Omega, thank you. Does that mean like, is there only one reset? Like now Tom Cruise has it. Yeah. Um, should I tell you how it works in the book? Because it's a little different. Okay, let's hear it. In the book, yeah. it's they send back like. So technically, it is just a dream of it happening, um, but he just gets linked into the mimic sending it back. Oh, okay. So they are sending it back to themselves, but he gets to hear it as well. Okay. So they're both re- resetting. Well, that makes sense in this film too. That's where the, like, the visions come in. But in I think because if they were both resetting, then he wouldn't be able to keep learning and getting better at killing them. Right. Because they would be at the same time. So I think in this, it is when they steal it, only they have it. Okay. And until they get, until they lose it, the aliens don't get it back, I think is the point. Ah, um, before I get too deep into that, let's move down to Castle and War. This is the last time I think I remember seeing Bill Paxton in a film. Thank I, you. I think he was in movies a few years after this, but I didn't see him. Correct. Same here. Yeah. We've got to pull one out for, the, for, for Bill. But this is definitely a fun one for, for him. Just as the, the derpy sergeant, you know. No, it wasn't. No. He was pretty. He was better than that. Yeah. 
Yeah, okay. I mean, no, he's good. I like he him. I, I, just, I just did a bad okay. impression as well. <laughs> all right. Okay. It, it wasn't the game over, Bill Paxton. It was guy in charge. He knows what his duty, and he, and he, and he does it well. I mean, even there's some scenes where I'm sure they, they cut a lot of it out, but where they, he grabs Tom and says, where are you going? You're going the wrong way. And, you know, brings him forward, and they, they realize they're, they're in the shit of it, and he is still moving forward. And, I mean, to me, Paxton does a phenomenal job. I mean, if you don't know Bill Paxton, yeah, Tom Cruise is a star, but Bill Paxton owns the scenes he's in. The real star. Well, he, he very well played a career soldier. Yeah, maybe the mustache. Like this is his life, sort of thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. The mustache has him looking a touch goofy, I guess. Oh, yeah, I mean, he's meant what? to be <clears throat> slightly a comedy role. But not completely at his expense. He's still capable. Was Twister his only like time on the top of the bill? Probably, yeah. Because you're I'm, right, Bill Paxton. I'm sure he did have like films where he was top of the bill. They just weren't huge films. Um, yeah, I'm just saying that's the time they really put him on the A list. Because here he's definitely yeah. like you know what well, third fiddle. I guess is where we're putting him in our conversation. But in my head, he's just the guy who got to fight the alien and the predator. <laughs> <laughs> When did he fight the Predator? He's a Predator the too. Second one with Danny Glover. I remember Danny Glover. I didn't realize he was in. Oh my god! Oh, and I guess technically the Terminator as well. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, oh, well, yeah. He gets, he gets pretty quickly killed by it, but. <laughs> oh okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm scrolling down his IMDb, and he's not even on the posters of all these films that he's apparently he's in. He's actually in Stripes. Okay, that one trips me out. Anyway, uh, that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Um, but, those are the three actors that definitely stick the most in my mind. Are there any of the uh, of the J Squad that is worth bringing up? I couldn't tell you their names or anything, but they're all um, like British TV guys. Yeah, so I've seen them. Even Nance, because I looked that up, and Nance is actually a, uh, she's she's married to some oh, I forgot her the guy's name, but she's an English uh, actress. And she does a good job of having her southern brawl in that movie. Yeah, just as a fun fact, I noted that um, apparently, like Warner Brothers filmed the Harry Potter films like as a rental uh, near London, and this is the film they used the same um, studio and just bought it when they made this film. So, hmm. I don't know. That's not that now that I said it, it doesn't seem that interesting. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess there's just uh, actually there's a surprisingly small cast in this film when you get right down to it. It's just so focused on on the, the two leads. Yeah. Yeah. Like a lot of these I guys, I definitely. Oh, I've seen you in Game of Thrones and I've seen you in some sitcom and I've seen you in this. But I could yeah. like tell you their names and stuff. Mm-hmm. But they all do the job very well and they're memorable. They all play a very <laughs> over the top character because they have such a small role and they repeat it over and over, you need to get the character from a small number of lines. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, and you get a little more pieces of them and, and their, I guess, their strength in, in, their, in their roles of it. Like, you know, they're willing to, to die for him, you know. Uh, they've, what is it? That, even the guy that was, was shooting the machine guns and then, he gets shot up, and then Tom shoots, jumps out there. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, I'm I'm like resting. But to your point, yes, like sacrificing themselves to the detonator. Of course, they come back the next day. 
the um in the book the full metal bitch and the main guy instead of just having those swords they have big red battle axes that only the mechs can swing we should have big red battle axes well i mean that's my whole issue with this film is the aliens look like nothing <laughs> the mechs I agree. Are just the mech suits are just some metal pipes around them because they don't want to cover up the actors faces there's no memorable music design in any of it whereas we could have had this sick anime big mechs killing monsters shit <laughs> no because tom cruise has to have screen time <laughs> well i i I, well, I at least read the week that's a helmet comment yeah, yeah there's um there's descriptions for the things you just mentioned which i'm not using this like it's my personal excuse i'm just saying this is like what they were doing apparently they wanted the aliens to look like obsidian like they'd be cutting through glass which would turns out to be maybe a better idea on paper than on in the visuals i'll give it there were one or two moments where i was like okay the aliens kind of have something and um, early on when you first see one it like screams and it like sat in all these weird directions like it's made of like um like an audio Sorry. waveform or something that was cool but they didn't lean into that enough most of the time it's just like one of the forgettable transformers it's just a tentacle here a sound effect there there's sort of a screaming face but you can't really make it out what if yeah because and do they roll or do they tumble i mean I, I never understood their the movement pattern and then how come bullets can stop him or, or tom can just finally knock him out and punch him or use the axe on him and so if if, if they're that easily I, I don't understand their strengths and weaknesses um Maybe they're like millipedes. They have lots of tiny legs. I think there was some point in production where they did think of making them all tentacles, which was probably a good choice, and they moved on to the obsidian crap. Yeah, I don't know. They just... Okay, I'm going to be the dumbass. What's obsidian? Um, it's like a rock that's kind of glass-like, like the Aztecs would make their swords out of obsidian. Black. Uh, okay. A black rock. rock, yeah. Okay, but the, the creatures that are like... Yeah, they're just they don't metal, nothing. Yeah, they yeah, like, like mechanical, but octopusy slash no, sorry, no pun intended, or squid-like <laughs> rotating mass with a with a roaring orange yelling China. component. <laughs> a lot of films have this recently, where it's just no one has Dazzling. sat down and taken charge of I am going to design stuff. Um, the Tom Cruise War of the Worlds, the tripods look great. When you see the aliens, it's like, that's kind of the Independence Day alien. It's kind of, it's nothing. Yeah. Um, even Transformers, right? Characters they care about, you get these really cool Optimus Prime designs. But then mm -hmm. the cannon fodder Decepticons, they just let the effects department do it and no one takes charge and gives them cool designs. Mm. So like Matt is always saying, like, I can't tell who these characters are. They're just gray shapes. And you're right. Yeah. I, I, I will only, I've only seen the first Transformers. Unfortunately, it was not very memorable. But uh, this movie, definitely, I would I would definitely agree with you on that one. Because you're right. That, 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 if that's what you meant by the design or lack of design, yeah, yeah I can I, I can agree with that. Yes, they for you know, just you know mindless watching. Yeah, it was good, but it was hard to to actually peel the layers behind it and actually see what, what am I seeing? It's just a blur of stuff. It's always smoke and mirrors type of stuff. Well, we've just said Bill Paxton fought the alien, the predator and the Terminator. Some of the coolest monster designs in Hollywood history. And yes. here he is fighting this shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then the Tom Cruise and everyone in their gear, 
it just looks like a Call of Duty game. Even yeah. the jackets, as they call them, there's, there's nothing special about them that makes them this cool design that's going to be iconic and I'm going to want to buy an action figure of. It's just, there's some metal around the actors. The production well, rebuttal there would be um, that they kind of researched, like, you know, things that DARPA had been into, like, about that actual sort of thing. So they're supposed to be mildly based after, you know, possible real world. Oh, designs, I, yeah, but, I get that. And I understand that. But yeah, works. they don't look anime cool. That's but yeah, part. that's the thing. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> you want to, it's, yeah. a, it's a Tom Cruise, stupid sci-fi action vehicle. Just do some stuff that looks cool. I don't care if it's realistic. No, there's nothing, you know, realistic about a Pacific Rim, Rim Jaeger, but those certainly stick yeah, in my more. <laughs> I can close my eyes and picture several of the Jaegers from Pacific Rim. I couldn't draw you a picture of what Tom Cruise is wearing in this. Well, you just draw a bunch of, like, triangles, uh, not triangles, uh, rectangles and squares, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and... Um... Why couldn't the, the one of those tentacles just poke right through? Because I mean, you're in the middle part of it, right? It's like, it's like what you said about Robocop. Just don't shoot me in the face. Yeah. <laughs> Although um, with Robocop, when he takes the helmet off, you can see he actually is metal under there, and the skin is just stretched over it. <laughs> so, you get that. Yeah. I'm glad you get that because I, I I paid attention. I've seen that movie way too many times, and. Uh, whatever, but you're right. It had that look where it was brought into the, that was actually artificial, just yeah. to sort of create a something that wouldn't frighten people. Right, something to yeah to speak to you. But yeah, it's even more creepy once you notice that. It did. Sorry, it brought to mind uh, Shazam. Just shoot me in the face. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was fantastic. Because <laughs> actually, my wife had just said like right before that, like, oh, what they shoot him in the face. <laughs> So, shoot me in the face. <laughs> so happy about it. But that's a different movie. Uh, that Tom Cruise, well, Tom Cruise does get shot in the face a lot here and melted in the face. That first death is impressive with the face melting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice yeah. and gory. I did like, for, for things I did like design-wise, uh, that was certainly one. Well, see, that, I don't know if that's design or just effects because the effects here are good. Mm. I yeah. never don't believe what I'm looking at. I'm just not that, like, wowed by it. I, I definitely enjoyed his uh, rolling under the Humvee. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. That right. gets into something that actually does bother me a little bit at this film. Every now and then, after Tom Cruise dies, you still see a little bit of reaction after his death. So is he creating a separate universe each time he dies where it just goes on without him? It would have been Or is it just that he's, he's slowly dying and there's a couple moments for them to react? Oh, that sounds good. Go with that. Because, I mean, you got to have that you know, punchline, right? Right, but yeah. <laughs> it's Bill Paxton. <laughs> Why would you do that? <laughs> so. There's a couple other ones as well. I think um, Emily Bunt gets a couple as well, where after he dies, she like yeah. makes a face or says something so, like, yeah. oh, how much of this reality keeps existing after he's gone? Because that means there's like all these realities where she's just murdered a fellow officer in cold blood. <laughs> And she's going to be explaining to the police. No, it's fine. It's fine. He's going to wake up in a different time. You just need to go to the past and you'll find him alive. It's all cool. <laughs> well, you actually bring up a great point. So I wonder if it's when they also go to sleep, everything gets re reset. Maybe there's just a whole bunch of really fucking horrible parallel realities out there now. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least for those two. <laughs> Well, okay, the so, as well, so. yeah, the world as well. But <laughs> so, if we if we just go back real quick, so the mimics, the the alpha, and then the omega, 
And if they lose, if the alpha loses the blood or, or splatters the blood on, on, a, on something else, then that device or that person gets to reset and control time. Hmm. Isn't that a flaw in their own being? What, it could be a biological thing, right? Where you can, you can't, you can kind of try and wield it, but you can't control it. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't think they were. I don't necessarily get the impression that the mimics are designed. They have either evolved biologically or they've accidentally gone out of hand in some science lab. So yeah, it is a flaw, but I don't think anyone created it. Yeah, it's, it's just an accident. It's a whole Achilles heel idea, right? Well, also, I think, right, because... how often do they die and then their blood gets melted into someone's brain? Like, <laughs> right. it, it's a rare enough occurrence that I guess it hasn't affected them. Well, it happened but... twice. Yeah. It happened twice. But in, like, a bazillion battles. <laughs> Fool me twice, I won't get fooled again. <laughs> <laughs> That's how they work. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, I mean, you do bring up a great absolute point. I didn't even think about that. But I think I think that's artistic license to be honest. Oh, definitely, because I mean, like like Matt says, you've got to have those Bill Paxton gags in there. So, oh, I mean, he. I, I'm sorry when I rewatched it, I completely realized, oh my god, that's Bill Paxton. This is awesome. I'm watching it just for that. <laughs> you went the I mean, supercut. <laughs> I mean, and he did honestly. I really do think he does a phenomenal job. That whole soliloquy right, when you when you when he first meets the Cage character and all the way to the uh, to what is my my feeling on gambling? You know that whole thing. That, and if you actually watch the the subtitles, you know it, as a chorus, they have, they, the all the J Squad respond back, response back, and all of that. I mean, it was like a well developed type chorus soliloquy type thing. I thought it was pretty cool. I mean, just around Bill Paxton's character. So he, how much power he holds. Always earned, or, or whatever you want to say, was really present or obvious to me. So, your ideal version of this movie would have had the sergeant as the lead character. Yeah, why not? <laughs> he is a bigger character in the book. Yeah, how in so? the, because he in, is? The, in the book, um, for a long time, he he has like hundreds of loops where he trains with the sergeant before he manages to get um, the full metal bitch's attention and start training with her. So for the ah. first like 150 loops, every day he wakes up and gets the sergeant to train him. And then eventually she notices that he's looping and he starts meeting her instead. So the sergeant character is quite a big character in the books. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> but also in the book, the whole thing about him being like, uh, he's a propaganda guy who's been sent there and he's like an outsider. None of that's in the book. He's just a raw recruit. Right. Standard soldier. Did, but I guess that that's not believable with Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah, there's all the you know. He's, he's too pretty. Yeah, I'm too old. I wonder if that. I is, agree. I, I did. There must be a case that thing happening. There's so many like sort of World War II, you know, like um, D-Day sort of references here. And I wonder how many people got railroaded into the invasion. <laughs> well, they they did send a lot of guys over there to film it, right? That's true. I mean, um, I, I'm just wondering if they're like press ganging people into. Uh... Well, they definitely were a bit because you had to send millions of men into the meat grinder, and not all of them wanted to go. True. I mean, yeah, there's the draft. I'm just wondering how many people day of got press ganged into it. Probably <laughs> more so than they would be able to now because what they're going to do about it, right? Yeah. <laughs> they break their phone. <laughs> Can't contact anyone now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but there... yes, it did have like a role, like a 
like a reinterpretation reinterpretation of D-Day and, and, the, and landing at the beach. I mean, it was literally the Americans and the British flying over from London to Normandy. So it was very literally D-Day again. Yeah. Well, they're flying this time. Yeah, true. Yeah. Both the first a couple time. of them flew. It's, it's more <laughs> futuristic, right? So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A couple of them flew. Wait, what I was the year, you... what, 2020? Yeah. <laughs> the future year 2020. <laughs> <laughs> But like every film since World War II depicts war as just being the same as World War II. Whether it's set before or after. Yeah, as well. Like they made that Robin Hood film that's set in like the 1200s and it still looked like World War II. (laughs) (laughs) They had them drop ships and stuff. (laughs) And they make Star Wars and it's set, you know, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away and it all just still looks like World War II. (laughs) Just guys piling off ships and shooting each other. In the neon air If I'd caught your sight before I wouldn't know who we're All guys walk potato walk It seemed like a disease Scribble with the afternoon Dark Alice silence on design, how do y'all feel about the pyramid at the Louvre? I mean, that's not this movie's design; that's real world design. I've actually never been to the Louvre. Yeah, they got that. Yeah, glass neither have I. Okay, Does, isn't it like a pyramid, and then there's another pyramid inside? Yeah, like yeah. upside down. Oh, kind of, yeah, it is. Um, I, I've been there downstairs at the time. There's like a Virgin megastore or something, but <laughs> <laughs> but of course that's the only thing I remember being down there. But yeah. Uh, but no, it's it's because it's the very old buildings, and then in this courtyard they built this futuristic glass pyramid. So, which you, you can see okay. pretty well in the movie. That's kind of why I'm bringing it up. But yeah. no, no, it, it, that was represented pretty well. I mean, I, I knew that was Lou when he said it, and when they showed that whole scene, it's like, oh, this the Lou. And you, in your notes, you pointed out, uh, uh, I guess he survived the crash because of the of the mech suit. Still, seems like a slim chance. And my 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 my. My uh, counter to that, it's all about grip strength. He just holds on to the side of the plane as it's crashing through. I guess <laughs> also, you, all... you just bash your head into, you know, part of the mech suit. You're you're gone. I mean, the suit itself would have some impact as well if yeah, you're yeah. crashing into right. things. Right. And then he tumbles out. <laughs> yeah, that's why you wear your helmet. <laughs> I remember I watched um, an episode of Game of Thrones with commentary from George R. R. Martin, the guy who wrote the books. And all through the episodes, it's one of the battle episodes, He's just complaining about every extra who isn't wearing a helmet. <laughs> <laughs> we need at least one Tom death where he's like, no, the helmet gets in the way. <laughs> well, that's um, well, Starship Troopers, right? Yeah. <laughs> the reason he gets court-martialed is he's like, sorry, you're so proud of my helmet. <laughs> it's been a while since I've seen that one. But I, I do recall a helmet scene. You're right. <laughs> so folks wear a helmet. We said it before uh, in Japan, like, like junior high or high school kids will wear a helmet, but no one else bothers wearing a helmet on a bicycle. Really? Ruin your hair on the way to the office. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I went bicycle around for years and never had a helmet on. I think people who ride a real bicycle do. Oh yeah, they don't, when they ride these little yeah. like mama charis or whatever they're called, they just don't see it as a real bicycle. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's it. That's what I had, so you get away with All right. it. Well, because I mean, I do little, I do road cycling. And I wear a helmet. Yes, those folks have helmets. Yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> uh, I also did uh, some mountain biking, and that's how I I incurred my first concussion 
And if I didn't have my helmet, dude, <laughs> I, I still don't remember that whole weekend. Let's put it that <laughs> I got my first concussion at my junior high school prom. Continue. Shia LaBeouf. banging to some music. I had butted another guy really hard. <laughs> <laughs> we were rocking out. Head yep. banging. Yeah, okay, gotcha. I don't think it was like heavy metal. I think it's just like some queen. <laughs> <laughs> One of the ballads. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that pretty much put us both out of commission for the rest of the night. <laughs> oh, well, uh, I remember you having weird hobbies uh, like skydiving and um, lighting up Roman candles in the parking lot for no reason. Those were choices. <laughs> <laughs> I never quite got the Roman candle one. I, I get the skydiving one. Sure, I mean I haven't done it, but yeah, I get that one. But. Uh, uh, I I don't recall the all of Roman candles, but I it I uh, I got inebriated and had some Roman candles, and it's the good the good ones are the jumbo Roman candles, and you, you know you feel fearless, you just hold it and poof poof poof, it's kind of cool. Yeah, you're just you're right there alone in the parking lot. <laughs> You know, I, did, I, I practiced uh, fire, firework safety right there. There we go. Yeah, right. <laughs> Sent the rest of us in. No, <laughs> anyway, that, that was just a fun memory there. So why did you do that? Yeah, when did the I do that? fireworks ever is when there's no one around to see them. True, true, true. You yeah. It's just, just a per personal fireworks show. And when did I do this and why? It was like after band practices or something. Did I really do that? Yeah, it's it's entirely possible that you didn't, and Matt has just somehow invented this in his own head. Oh no! Yeah, like freaking Star Trek. No, we're just was this in Athens. Yeah, this is in Athens because we are up to no good. And we're just like, why is he doing that? <laughs> I think we got drunk that that night. That sounds. It sounds like, something, like you were probably drunk. Yeah. Sounds like something that could have happened. <laughs> I, I never got that drunk, but I think that was was that the time I told whatever her name was. She's got drunk in the trunk. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. <laughs> yeah, dear listeners, never, never tell tell a compliment and say, "Hey, maybe you got some junk in the trunk." Because <laughs> I, I think I got because uh, Devin had some some mind altering goodness that he shared, if I remember correctly. <laughs> and that's that's where <laughs> maybe you got some junk in the trunk. Yeah. That should have been Tom Cruise's first line. That's how you could have gotten uh, Emily Blunt to, to respond. <laughs> well, my apologies. I never meant any harm. <laughs> hey, I remember I, the Roman candle part, so. Yeah. <laughs> Selective memories. But, uh, Dude, you do realize, how old are you? You just turned, what, 41? I'm about to turn 42. 42, okay. Yeah. I'm about to turn... 46. <laughs> okay. The memories go down the drain eventually. Yeah, no shit. We should do Hitchhikers for your birthday. Why? Because I turned 42. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it took oh. me I was about to say, like, I'll be like the, uh, the answer to life, but for some reason that didn't connect. <laughs> the answer to life, the universe, life and everything. And everything. Yeah. <laughs> I've read the book, but you know, sadly, it is not memorable. I'm gonna have to not second you on that. I do love the book, but <laughs> yeah. no, I know that's fair enough. But I, I just don't remember it. I just remember that's the one thing. It's the most important thing about the whole book. 
there's loads and loads of it, but the more of it he writes, the less good it is. True, true. So, like, the original radio play is gold. Then the book's pretty good, and the TV show's okay, and then the movie's... eh. (laughs) So... And there's like five books, but only the first one's worth reading. Yeah, because I read I read more than one, and after a while, it just sort of blurred, and I I don't remember it. Yeah, I, I remember having the full five set, and I don't think I finished them because I just slowly lost interest. Would well, you end the world in the first ten minutes or yeah. ten pages? Excuse me. <laughs> and then where do you go from there? <laughs> there's a whole sequence guess... about how he learned to fly by missing the ground and stuff. <laughs> well, that was a whale. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, back to this one, I, I guess yes, we talked about design, but uh, I guess we're pretty much finished because I'm bringing up the lube on that. So yeah. So I should pose the question: Would you want to repeat your day for three thousand years to achieve perfection? Do I get to choose the day? But any day <laughs> you could take and make into perfection in the end, right? Yeah, but I'd choose payday so that I've got some money to play with. Okay, there's that. But you, you can learn <laughs> I know, ways you learn to, to rob a bank and shit. Yeah, I yeah. guess the day you wouldn't want to repeat is the one where you got like a stomach bug and are like spend most of the day hurling. Yeah. That that one would definitely, I'd want that one off the table. But I guess, yeah, I'd want to be in tip-top health. But other than that, yeah, eh, probably not a day in the past two years. <laughs> Choose a day when the world's functioning. (laughs) (laughs) I'd I'd do it. Okay, so what what skills would you perfect in your 3,000 years of the same day? I'd finally get around to learning Japanese. Okay, that'd be a good one. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well played, sir. (laughs) Okay, I know who's the shining star of this podcast. (laughs) I guess I've done an instrument. I still don't really know any. Okay, I'm pretty down with that. I wouldn't have to spend it with that. I, I don't know, I could learn, getting, sorry, too much Groundhog's Day in this one, but I could do, take on Bill Murray's piano skills. That'd be cool. Because yeah, I don't have those. Karate. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just fucking finish all the books and video games that I want to get done. Maybe finish in like three weeks. Ah, there's a lot of books and video games that I want to get done. <laughs> okay. Jonathan, what are you going to do with your 3,000 years of repeated days? <sighs> Figure it all out in those 3,000 days. Figure it all yeah, out. Yeah, you're, you're not meant to go in knowing what you want from it, right? That's kind of the point. Yeah. yeah. In both these films, they go in as like a sort of an adrift soul and find their purpose. Yeah. Well, and at least figure out, or, or at least get to, at peace with it because to your point, exactly, he gets at peace with, he, he, he goes to the point of like, you know, he goes to like, what is it, the seven steps of whatever, you know, he fights it, he accepts it, then he says, okay, he's going to do something. He plays piano in, in Groundhog's Day. He learns to ice sculpt. He, you know, he's, he, he tries to do his best even with the, with the homeless guy uh, at the homeless shelter. Why do I even remember these scenes? I haven't seen that movie in forever. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got the angel of Verdun who had her own experience, and now it's like she has exactly. PTSD, and I guess she's past it now, but... <laughs> Right. Exactly, like in the in the scene in the car when she they, he's, he says something about Hendrix, and that's the one character I don't know. They never clarify when she says, "I saw him die so many times," and, and doesn't want to talk about. It. But you see, and I have to admit that Tom Cruise does a good job of of going through his emotions, and and you know he tries to tell her, "Look, you are not going to live beyond this point." And then he goes through like when he wakes up in the in the in the sergeant. 
you know, gives him his boots. Instead of yelling at him, he could see the the, the ten yard stare inside Tom Cruise his character, you know. And then he figures out he just, you know, he's just obliterating all the 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 mechs and makes his way across to the dam, which goes to your N sixty four Golden Eye reference, I think. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, like that level, <laughs> right? But I mean, you you see that ten yard stare and. You see the character actually dying, actually, you know, realizing the futility of it. You know, the, the whole scene in the bar where he sort of escapes. It's like, I took a second, second, wait a second, what the hell? Oh, he, he found a way, another, it's not repeating the same way. It's, it's found another course out of the, the loop, if you would. And, you, you know, you see the depth of the character, okay, he's the futility of it, and then he's willing to repeat it over and try to make it better. And that's why that when I, I asked about, what was the timeline? Because he, all of a sudden he wakes up in the helicopter instead of on that bed. And the difference after he, you know, figured it all out, even when he was no longer was part of that loop, he continued on and uh, resolved to make it right. I think that's where Bill Murray wakes up the next day. I, I would equivocate that to. And then he then finishes the path and then he wakes up. But, but at that point, he's just going to move forward. That's the end of it. I guess it's just loss of consciousness that sends him back, whether it be sleep or, you know, getting shot in the face. <laughs> well, you mean, no, he always dies. No, but I'm thinking if he had just gone to sleep. Right. He, the same thing probably would have happened. Possibly. I guess we never see that. Yeah. He's too busy dying. Because even in London, the mimics eventually make it to London and he dies there as well. Right. But he needed, that's what, what Jonathan was talking about. We need that one, I guess. Uh, he needed the perspective, like, you know, it's not yeah, just that, Oh, it's worth fighting for. Oh, everything is fucked if, uh, if I don't get this right eventually. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of weight on his shoulders, but he also, you know, went, you know, into the, went into the charge and basically, uh, you know, like in uh, Full Metal Jacket, they, the the drill sergeant makes something of these people. He's got to make something of himself in here. Yeah, exactly. He's no longer the ad agency guy. But then you make people like uh, Private Pile in that case, right? Yeah, <laughs> true. So it's a double-edged sword, that particular extreme form of a military discipline. Of course, J Squad. I, I guess they are Marines, aren't they? Because they're like, I mean, like the Air Air Marines. SAS, Special uh, Air Service. Okay, there we go. Thank you. That, in the UK, when you talk about like top tier, best of the best soldiers, you usually talk about the SAS. Oh, okay. I guess in America, it's always Navy yeah. SEALs, right? Yeah, we send them in from but the that, sea. That, but that wasn't J Squad. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, they were the they expendables, looked, basically. Like, yeah, they were like the. Drop them in to die. Yeah, the fodder. They there. were like this. They were like stripes, like they were had their was one of them. They were marching. They had the bathrobe on or whatever. You know, it wasn't the full fatigues. It was the. Well, one of them got, just gets into his Mac naked. <laughs> <laughs> now he had a jock strap. I mean, all, in all fairness, <laughs> it, it might have been a hot day. Did they, they didn't specify what time of year this was, did they? Uh, I don't remember. It probably doesn't matter. I don't think, I'm going to show you. There is no day in the UK where you would go into battle naked. <laughs> <laughs> Especially not over like the sea breeze. If you spent the night at the pub. Oh, well, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> like we do every night. <laughs> not anymore. No. 
Um, so um, that just got real. <laughs> I'm not sure if he was referencing the fact that I've gone teetotal or the fact that the pubs are all closed. I was going for the pubs are all closed. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, yes. Go ahead. Teetotaler is you don't drink. Yeah. All right. He stopped and he kept his discipline. Oh, well, I stopped. Oh. At first, it was discipline, and now I just don't really want to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fair enough. Good for you. Here's that. <laughs> But uh, this movie, I, I guess we need to think about how it's holding up today. I think there actually is a um, sequel that's sort of been in the works for a few years now. Live, Die, Repeat, Repeat or something. Yeah, they've been teasing it. And um, it sounds like they might be trying to do something interesting with it. Because I think it's going to do some weird Back to the Future 2 timey-wimey stuff. Hmm. And apparently Tom Cruise has a great idea for a sequel is what all the interviews say. And he doesn't age. He can still get away with it, I guess. He could literally be playing the same character on the same day. Yeah. <laughs> So mm. I hope they do make one. Like I said, I'm not, although I did bitch about like it doesn't have good design and stuff, I did enjoy this film and these characters. So if they do do something yeah. fun, well, I'd want to see it. this far and without mentioning uh doug lyman the director he did go he did uh at least the first born movie um so he's is one of he the did all of the movies did he? he i don't know if i think so the later ones where they don't have matt damon but well they did one without matt damon then another one where they brought matt damon back okay anyway i think those first three yeah i think were him but yeah, yeah. he uh, you know I, I guess he's pretty much got his action cred down yeah, yeah but also all of those films are a bit gray and drab and yeah. So I guess that it, he is a guy who does good action, but isn't doesn't really care about design. Yeah, I guess that's where <laughs> we are. So it's good he didn't get his hands on Transformers. Would have been more ridiculous in design wise. <laughs> well, it, it, and if you notice, it's, it's not, no, no, no. This is not a Tarantino movie. You're not going to have a ten second, you know, before a cut. Right. It's like cut, 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 cut. It's almost as bad as no. It's not. It's it's better than uh, what's his name uh, Transformers director dude where where you basically almost get sick from all the cuts happening. I mean, the worst for it was um, the Taken films, the Liam Neeson action ones. Uh-huh. Who directed those? I don't actually know, but there are scenes in that where he like in the course of one stunt, you get ten different shots of just like Liam Neeson jumping a fence or something. Mm-hmm. Those ones are famous, but that's because they're trying to hold the fact that he's like a middle-aged man who can't really do these stunts. <laughs> so we'll just film you doing one step at a time, and then you can have a ten-minute break in between. <laughs> Fair enough. Tom doesn't care; he'll try it anyway. Because what is he now? Fifty-five or something? Yeah, I think so. He's, yeah, he's up there. But um, uh, you know what? Human human growth hormone is a wonderful thing. <laughs> but. Uh, I don't think Tom Cruise has any human growth on because he's about six. <laughs> Adrenochrome. 
Well, this is just what's possible when you get rid of all your negative thetans. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, yeah. it's, it's all the advertisement, isn't it? Yeah. Well, at the start of this film, he's literally advertising joining the army. Did any of those adverts ever get you? You said you thought about joining up on my 11th birthday. Right. But everyone had the thought. For, I, I Honestly, I should qualify. I had that. I can even, Jonathan will know where this is. Um, I had that thought for about 10 seconds in the Gwinnett Mall parking lot where the Michaels is. <laughs> Driving my car for about 10 seconds. Like, gee, I wonder if I should join the military. And by the time I was out of the parking lot, I think I'd gotten over it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what I always remember as a kid is watching the, the TV adverts of joining the army. And it's showing like, oh, you'll learn teamwork and you'll learn to be an engineer and you'll get fit and you'll learn to have Never points out the fact, you also, you'll kill people and might die. <laughs> of course, they always gloss over that bit. Yeah. But I guess that's because they didn't have effect. any wars worth fighting at that point. <laughs> Maybe if there were some real bad guys, they'd be like, oh, and you'll get to go and kill the Nazis. <laughs> but even watching the actual news, you see, you know, coffins draped in the flag. But I never saw, like, you know, men dying in the dirt trying to hold their own guts in or anything. Well, I remember we, the uh, war is really sanitized. For, yeah, I remember the first golf war has, uh, by some people, been nicknamed the Nintendo War because you just see the, you know, the cannons firing, you see explosions, you don't see any people. Mm -hmm. If you remember that 1991 golf war footage, and it's all kind of blurry yeah. too. But yeah, people are like, "Oh, it's the Nintendo War." Yeah. <laughs> you, see, you see the tracers. Because uh, the CNN had the tracers at night, you could see them firing. Yeah, yeah. If I remember correctly. It literally looks like the scenes from the 1986 Transformers movie where there's just the laser beams <laughs> over Autobot City. No, I remember, uh, you know, when the movie Three Kings came out, people's minds being blown because that was the first time we kind of seen like kind of an on-the-ground vision of the golf war. Hmm. Oh, Courage That was a good fire. movie. That, that was a good movie. Actually, I was about to say Courage Under Fire did it before that, but that was a boring movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't, I didn't see that one, but I did see the Three Kings. And actually, I remember it being pretty. It was, it was uh, Ice Cube. Um, what's his oh, name? The cancelled Mark Wahlberg, the perpetually cancelled Mark Wahlberg, I guess. Wahlberg, the, the yeah, Wahlberg, and but somehow never is Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's Marky Mark, man, yeah. and then uh, Clooney, and then uh, what's his Clooney? Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> and I remember, I no, I I don't remember. I don't remember all of it or anything like that, but I do remember saying, this was a good movie, you know, after watching it. Is, is it just proximity to Clooney has rendered him uncancelable? That must have done it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I just remember that being the first, like, kind of vis visceral case of golf war coming our way. I guess because they just had Private Ryan. It's like, okay, the war cat's out of the bag. I don't know. But, yeah, the William Cages of the world have done a very good job of making war this commodity that you can sell that's tasteful and harmless now yeah, yeah war is something that happens on the other side of the world and i don't have to think about right war is men in a an office somewhere playing using xbox controllers to fly drones over and bomb brown children yeah <laughs> but yeah I, we don't tend to see the actual damage of this stuff anymore so uh, well i mean sanitized exactly <laughs> Because I mean, if if that if if they don't blur that out, there would be a lot more uh, disenfranchised. You know, is this voices about that? Vietnam. Partially, because Vietnam was the first like color photographs 
free press war, right? Yeah, because some nasty stuff did make it to the news for that one. Vietnam. Like, I, I, see, I close my eyes and think of Vietnam. I see, like, arms missing, napalm burns, whatever. I close my eyes and think of Afghanistan or Iraq. I just see empty houses. Yeah. <laughs> I see explosions, but I don't see human death. Mm-hmm. Like, the image that the media has created for me does not include the human element in those wars. We so that's, that's a huge propaganda victory. They got reporters, they get embedded, and then they have, you know, folks like Cage, like, um, making sure they're not putting out things that are too gnarly. Yeah, even when I see the reporters, they're, they're with, like, our troops, and there's, oh, there's some fighting going off in the distance. But, no, you never see a person die. You right. never even see, like, a body in the streets. So, like you said, we're supposed to hate Cage of the game. He's that, he's that sanitizer. Right. <laughs> But yeah, like mind sanitizer. They are some pretty fucked up dudes. Yeah. <laughs> Although, again, the difference here, they're fighting space aliens. <laughs> like, <laughs> do yeah. they really need to like do a whole bunch of propaganda to convince people maybe we should fight these space aliens that are taking over the world? Do you want to go fight the space aliens? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna not fight the space aliens. <laughs> I mean, and that's what makes it, I guess, like you said, uh, where we can, everybody congregates, you know, the European forces and Americans join. Yeah. So, which makes it more of like, hey, hoorah, let's go. <laughs> hoorah. I guess we should uh, throw any final thoughts on this particular film if you folks have something you didn't hit up. No, I think I've said most um, of my piece. It's, you know, people always complain about like, putting Scarlett Johansson into an anime and stuff. Mm. This one completely cuts any reference of Japan from the story. They replaced the main character who's called like Keiji Kira or something in the book with just William Cage, all-American hero. In the they shifted from battling for Japan to battling for Europe. <laughs> he <laughs> didn't like, start out an all-American hero. You gotta admit that. He, uh, he developed it. No. <laughs> <laughs> But like, I think there's like one or two extras who were Japanese, and his suit speaks Japanese to him at the start. Other than that, there's no hint that this was based on a Japanese novel and a comic book. You're absolutely correct. I mean, there's that's completely uh, obfuscated completely. Part it partly makes me wonder if they deliberately <laughs> didn't make the suits look like cool Max because they were trying to distance themselves from that Japanese imagery. Well, Pacific Rim had gotten some blowback for doing that, right? And some. Some people are like, oh, you know, it's too much like a manga, which to, you know, we're like, that's great. Well, yeah, I'm the guy who loves Speed Racer. So. Yeah, but I think some people are not so down with that. Right. Well, I don't, I don't think real people are, but I think Hollywood execs are. Mm. <laughs> Hollywood execs think that what we want is super gritty realism. But again, it's not even real. It's right. this sanitary well, version right. of realism anyway. <laughs> like, yeah. Even here, when we're meant to be seeing how harrowing it is for Tom Cruise, we don't see much blood or anything. No, like the one that sticks in my mind, of course, is him getting melted the first time. So right, <laughs> but that's such a well, like crazy sci-fi death. Yes, <laughs> and and uh, when you see what's her name, uh, Full Metal Bitch, die because she dies several times at the beginning where he's trying to save her, mm. and uh, he also remember there's a scene where she, she sees him running across and then he gets hit by a truck. I'm sorry, when you get hit by a truck, you get splattered. And that's where his helmet fell off. And that's where he realized no helmets are him. Oh, it's because yeah, it's um he didn't have the peripheral vision to see it. Uh. <laughs> but that, that one did get like a big laugh out of me because it was so it, sudden and dumb. 
It, yeah, I mean, it, I mean, come on. First of all, those helmets you saw in uh, in uh, Bill Paxton's characters, you know, that, that you have enemies coming and all this stuff. It's a heads up display type unit. You can wouldn't wouldn't the helmet and the, and his mech suit be alerting him that there's a truck coming? <laughs> My opinion, right. maybe Tra- training probably helps in that case. It was telling him in Japanese. That was the problem. Yeah. <laughs> no, by that time he knew how to fix that. Don't <laughs> give me that shit. He's already gone through so many loops. No, you give Cage that shit. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that that was funny enough that I don't care that it was done. <laughs> it was just... No, because I, it, I, it I was know. at the point where it's like, oh, he's dramatically he's making the that. <laughs> It was so yeah, and you were absolutely right. It was so freaking sudden. I mean, there was I, I do remember a music swell as he's running, and then he's gone. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, there is a fair amount of humor here. But you said the book has more. That's interesting. The book has a very different kind. The the book is one of those books that I can tell was written by a twenty and one year old geeky Japanese virgin. Because <laughs> every 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 other chapter, he meets a fit woman who's super into him. <laughs> And all the jokes are just like dumb bro humor about big boobs and whatever. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Jonathan, do you have any final thoughts to lay on this film for on your end? I, I've said my piece basically. So. No, I mean, basically, both what both of you have said basically culminates in what my thoughts are. I mean, it's 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 a good movie in my opinion. Uh, it's it's a very like a fun romp. You know, you you enjoy. It. Is it? When I started rewatching and rewatching some of the scenes, okay, I realized there's a little more depth to it. But if if you're just paying, you know, your your movie theater, you're not going to get that at the movie theater being able to repeat it because you got to repeat it. That's the whole thing. You're not going to catch all the nuances. Like I've watched Groundhog's Day, and I don't know how many times, but more than one, I can tell you that much. Yeah, a movie like this, so, you have to watch at least twice just because they've implanted so many things that you're really not going to pick up till you know the whole narrative. So. It's like yeah. watching 12 Monkeys. Yeah. <laughs> I like that very sat- early on, it drops a lot of hints that Rita's been through the loop. Because <laughs> multiple times yeah. in the opening scenes, they're saying she killed 100 people in her first battle. Right. And you're like, okay, that's them trying to tell us that she's had this shit as well. <laughs> exactly. Uh, just a quick side note. When I first watched 12 Monkeys, I didn't actually watch it from the beginning. At Georgia State, they had a theater and I missed the beginning part. And I, so I watched it from the middle and then then I rewatched it. It's like, wait a second. You can you can watch the movie from any part, and you you sort of get it. I didn't necessarily enjoy the movie, but it had the same sort of vibe <laughs> of uh, of the repetition. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. I haven't watched that one in like adult memory, so I don't really know it. We'd have to get on that one sooner. It's later. one that we definitely have to get to. But um, maybe it's a ter- Terry Gilliam, right? Up. <laughs> uh, Jonathan, I'm not sure if you have anything to plug, but I should ask. <laughs> No, I don't have any plug. I, I didn't think you were plugged, but, but uh, no, I mean, if this doesn't make it out there, that's absolutely fine with me. I just enjoy meeting all you guys of them. Make it out there, except for the time oh. that we didn't record it. <laughs> well, we, our part still made it out there. That's true. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I accidentally didn't record our guest. <laughs> Oops, you're, you're, you're definitely recorded though, so we're cool. <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, if any of our listeners out there are sending packages, make sure you do it through UPS. <laughs> There we go. Okay, I'm going to put you on the timer today. Are you ready? All right. Ready and go. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can find it on Twitter at MLSFSPod or also on Facebook, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Just search Matt Luke Sci-Fi Sanctuary. If you 
Want to help us keep putting these podcasts online? You can support us at patreon.com slash podcastios And if you like the music you've heard in this podcast, you can find more of Matt's music at reviewstagemedia.bandcamp.com. Boom. Look, it's zero. It's 1700. That's pretty trippy. Nice. Dude. It's <laughs> a, a prime number. Yeah. I just kind of sputter through it when I have to do that. So anyway, Jonathan, thank you for joining us today. It's always jolly a chat about movies, and it's been a while since we did so. So absolutely enjoyed it all, fellas. Okay, Luke, uh, what should people do today? In the year 2014. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. And sorry, I gotta take a rip and piss. I'll be right back. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> You don't have to go offline yet, but yeah, I'm the kind of doing the dance a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah.